You are listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us Dr. Daniel Worthington. He's the director of the papers of Abraham Lincoln at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. And so, uh, Dr. Worthington sees things that no one else has ever seen that Abraham Lincoln wrote and handled. And uh, we thought because it was President's Day, it would be just a great thing to get you to stop by Dr. Worthington and share with us today. So thank you so much for taking this time to be with us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So we talk about President's Day. We talk about the different presidents we've had all through history. And a lot of people will talk about Abraham Lincoln and they'll say, really, they think he was the greatest president that we ever had. Where do you place Lincoln uh, really in, in our history? Well, I would say that Lincoln is probably the greatest president. Uh, certainly, there are arguments to be made for Franklin Roosevelt as being very close to Lincoln and certainly Washington, George Washington. Um, each of those men had unique challenges um, of course, Washington had the challenge of, cre- of creating the country out of the Constitution, and Roosevelt faces the challenges of the of the Great Depression and the and the World War II. But Lincoln really faces some un- unique challenges for some number of reasons. Lincoln is unlike Washington and Roosevelt. Lincoln is largely in, although he's well known politically, uh, certainly in the country, his term and he only really served on a federal level for two years in the Congress in the 1840s. He was a legislator in Illinois. So his uh, his legislative uh, period and his his governmental, governmental experience was, was very limited. And he gets elected and almost as soon as he gets elected, we have a secession of seven states who had promised to secede from the union if Lincoln was elected, despite the fact that Lincoln assured them that there was nothing to fear from him being elected. So Lincoln faces what would be an existential crisis for the Union almost as soon as he gets elected. Lincoln is also faced, unlike, uh, faced in a certain sense that he has to wait to become president. So all the events that occur between November and March of 1861 uh, are out of his hands to a large extent. And Lincoln does not really involve himself very much in trying to prevent secession from happening. He just doesn't feel that's not his job at that stage. He keeps his he keeps himself very uh, he doesn't say a whole lot during the whole period of time. So when he comes into office in March of 1861, he's facing with what he considers to be a rebellion. He considers the Confederacy to be uh, illegitimate secession to be not illegitimate. So this is so the Union is under threat. And Lincoln has been dealing with this for a long time. And because of slavery, because of the plan to extend slavery. So Lincoln is facing a threat to the Union, a threat to the American experiment with a representative democracy. He's faced with a group of people that want to extend slavery, which he believes to be an evil. And while Lincoln uh, doesn't feel he has any right to interfere with slavery in the states as it exists, He's absolutely opposed to it uh, expanding. He believes that is against what the founding fathers wanted. And Lincoln is convinced that um, if the union is broken up, then any chance for representative democracy, any chance for 
the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or equal rights for all people would be de devastated. Uh, because Lincoln is, does not have other democratic countries out there to back up on. He, the United States is the only real representative democracy. Rest of Europe is largely either constitutional monarchs or they are um, absolute monarchies. So Lincoln is facing with a lot of challenges, not the least of which is, of course, the Union. And then, of course, he also has to deal with the issue of slavery, what to do about slavery. Uh, Lincoln is convinced that slavery is the cause of the war, but he doesn't see he has the constitutional right as the as the even as the commander in chief initially to end slavery. Um, so he's got a he's got a very difficult process to try to. He's first of all a couple of things he has to do. Number one, he has to try to. Uh, he's a he's a constitutional lawyer. He's a lawyer. He believes in the Constitution, so he needs to sustain a society which laws are obeyed, the Constitution is obeyed, um, law and order is, is sustained, and at the same time, he's also got to deal with um, slavery, which is denying rights to certain groups of people, denying them uh, citizenship rights. So he has to really sort of uh, uh, figure out how to handle those two things. And it's a very, tr it's a very tricky thing to do, and especially in the fact that he's also dealing with a massive war for four years. So that is why I think he's probably the greatest president, given what he has to deal with and how he handles it over that four year period. So you're saying in his mind, and probably it was the case, if America falls, if Amer if this experiment ends, there's no other real example at that point right. of democracy. And so he knows that. And yes. you mentioned the long wait. You know, we tend to think, oh, well, inauguration day is in is january right and but he has to wait till march and see this and it's a pretty dangerous situation even getting to washington isn't it it is lincoln is well the other thing lincoln is dealing with which i didn't mention is that lincoln is is getting death threats and we see a lot of those in the papers of abraham lincoln from letters to him uh he got a lot of death threats um both written and there were plots to try to uh, kidnap him, kill him on the way to Washington. Uh, there is no secret service in those days. Um, Lincoln does not really, the other problem that Lincoln faces is that he is, of course, under threat from uh, mostly mostly Southern radicals, I would say. But Lincoln also is a person that does not believe the president should be behind a secret service detail, behind a wall. The president is the people's office. So Lincoln, um, on his way, is very reluctant to have security. He does have Pinkerton detectives with him. And even when he gets to Washington, he is very reluctant to walk around with security. The White House does not have any security. You would think that the, that the army was there. The army is not there. Lincoln does not want that to be the case because he wants people to feel like they can come to talk to him if they need to talk to him. So the White House is, as we I always say, is wide open in a sense. So yes, he's under threat too. He's his physical danger is being threatened um, constantly, and um, there are plots to, of course, um, eliminate him if they can um, during the war and even before he gets to Washington. So yes, you're correct. And you say he really doesn't shy away from any of that. In other words, he doesn't want a barrier between him and the people. Correct. He doesn't want a barrier between him and the soldiers either. He, really puts himself at risk often 
going actually to the battlefield, doesn't he? He does. He spends uh, a fair amount of time. Um, he never goes out to the Western theater. He stays in the East. He never really leaves, doesn't really go out of Washington that far, but he does. He goes to Norfolk. He goes to that area, Hampton Roads area. Uh, he actually is the one that sort of pushes the Union Army to capture Norfolk because he said, why don't you just go in there and do it? Uh, and, he, and he does go to see uh, uh, Grant on, a, on many occasions in the war. He's in Richmond the day or two after the Confederate soldiers leave. So he does put himself in danger because, of course, there could have been Confederate snipers still around. Um, he's close to the front lines. Uh, he is not, he, again, he doesn't walk around with a whole cadre of, of, in, of security in front of him. In front of him. He, he does make himself available to soldiers. Um, that's part of what attracts people to him is, is his empathy, his his willingness to listen. And um, I think that's another thing that makes him unique is that he is not detached mm. from, from his people or the soldiers. It's, and that's, that comes through in the letters he gets as well. So you, you mentioned the letters and you mentioned them earlier as well, like some of the death threats and so forth. So uh, yeah. I've, I've seen where you've asked out for letters and, and stuff in the past. So You've seen things that none of us have ever seen, and and perhaps you know, handful just only a handful of people have seen that Abraham Lincoln has written or that have been written to him. And so, what are some of the things you find that are especially interesting uh, or would interest us about Lincoln that the rest of us wouldn't know about? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, there's many many things, but um, one of the things we're working on right now is we're as as the project is we're in 1858 so lincoln has um debated douglas seven debates um, makes him a national figure those are covered all over the country becomes a, a becomes probably one of the leading can candidates for president in 1860 but lincoln does lose that election um he's disappointed in that election and what's interesting about it is that lincoln thinks that what I find interesting is that Lincoln writes a letter to someone and says, well, you know, I'm um, I'm happy I was part of that election, but I'm going to fade away now. I'm not going to come back. Um, and hopefully I did something for, for liberty and civil rights that uh, will be remembered, which is interesting. He's certainly not because Lincoln was what people don't know about Lincoln is that Lincoln is not a full time politician. As a matter of fact, he's a full time lawyer. And if he doesn't um, practice law or hear cases, he doesn't make any money. So we get many letters after in 1855, he's, he runs for Senate in 1855. He loses that election, which I think in some sense is more devastating to him than in 58, because in 58, he knew he was going to lose. He knew that the legislature had gone to the Democrats in 55. It was very nebulous about he was he was he led he led in the first three or four ballots. And then um, so there were certain people that would not vote for him, never vote for him people who actually became his his allies. And so in 55 and 54, he writes letters to people and say, look, you know, I haven't worked. I haven't been in law, in my law practice for six or seven months and no money has come in. And, you know, we don't have enough money for household items. And we assume that Lincoln, of course, is, is well off. And Lincoln is certainly a good middle-class lawyer. He certainly does well, but when he doesn't practice law and he's not out on the, on the circuit or riding the circuit, he's not making money. So he's um, he's sort of desperate in times for for people to pay him 
what they owe him, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, another thing that's interesting about Lincoln is um, Lincoln is when he's president, uh, a lot of people send Lincoln a lot of ideas for winning the war more quickly. So there's all kinds of weapon ideas for weapons, ideas for like chemical weapons, for, you know, rifled cannons, for, you know, repeating rifles, uh, ideas for, you know, socks to help the infantry march better. Lincoln is, there's really no one to see those letters, but Lincoln sort of takes an interest in this. Hmm. And he does test some of these things himself. And one of them, one of the ideas is um, he has someone make a little um, a little mock-up cannon that the idea had a, had a cannon and gave it to Tad, his youngest son, which we have that um, artifact here. So that's another interesting thing about Lincoln is that he's he's very much his uh, one-man sort of scientific advisory agency. And now we, we know science is so much a part of the military these days. In those days, it was, you know, the military was very, very uh, uh, reluctant to embrace science as a way of breaking the stalemate. Mm -hmm. Lincoln was very much open to science um, in that sense. And, uh, you know, another thing, the third thing I would say is that Lincoln's tenure wasn't just about the Civil War. It was also about some legislation that he and the Republicans had wanted for many years that sort of set the stage for the post-war um, sort of explosion in, in the industry, um, passing the Banking Act and creating a national banking structure is one of the things they did. The Homestead Act, which you know encouraged people to move out west, and that was a huge thing after the war. Um, and then you know a third thing is the Land Grant Act, which encourages uh, engineering and agricultural colleges. That revolutionizes American higher education, and we and we still have land grant colleges today. And they are at the center of engineering and agricultural research. University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana is a is an is a land grant college. So those are things that not many people know about Lincoln. Yeah. Um, now, of course, when he's in the White House, he doesn't have to worry about money too much. Um, we don't know what would have happened after. That's the other thing is about Lincoln. We're not sure what he would have done after he was in the White House. He he always planned on coming back to Springfield to. Um, to, to practice law with his son. Uh, we think he probably would have ended up in Chicago. We don't know what kind of person he would have been. So that's another you know, aspect about Lincoln is the speculation of what he would have done after his second term in 68. Um, we just don't know because we don't, we never got that far, but those there's, there's so many interesting things about him. Absolutely. So our listeners are thinking, okay, um, save the union. Slavery was abolished. But if you went to NC State or you mentioned University of Illinois, land grant institutions. Um, so and then the Homestead Act, you know, which really yes. helped folks after the war. So many things. And you're you're able to see the letters. So when you have the kind of access that people had to Lincoln, they're also able to write him and he's reading the letters and all kinds of ideas and what that must have been like, you know, sure, in the midst sure. of this terrible situation. We're, I've got to ask, um, it was Tad that died, wasn't it? Um, in, in 62 or 63. It, it's, it's Willie. It's Willie. Willie who dies. He dies in, he dies in February of 62. Um, of a, of a, we don't, well, probably of a, of a, of a fever. Um, of course, Lincoln is devastated. This is right before, uh, 
they're going to launch a massive invasion of Virginia, the, the Peninsula campaign. Uh, we do have an, you know, Lincoln and his wife, Mary, I think, don't think was ever the same. Mm. Um, she was, you know, she had lost another child. Eddie had died in 1850. Mm-hmm. And so she was quite never this. And of course, then Lincoln dies himself. So it's it's very sad. I mean, this is the there's only two presidents that have had a son die in the White House while they were president. And it was Lincoln and Calvin Coolidge. And uh, it's, it's, it is interesting, though. Lincoln, of course, got a lot of letters and condolence. But one of the letters he received was from former President Franklin Pierce, who was a Democrat. And um Pierce's Pierce had been elected in in 52, but right before they went to inauguration, he and his wife and their children were on a train and there's a train accident and his oldest son was killed. Mm. So he had suffered. Uh, I think he had also had another child die. So this I think there's the last son who was who was killed in a very tragic and gruesome way. And so he knew the pain. And uh, of course, I don't think he and his wife really ever got over it. I think it really was a shadow on the whole presidency. So he writes Lincoln and tells Lincoln he understands um, how it is to be now having to take on this massive responsibility, but also grieving a child. So and and so Lincoln, as people are grieving, uh, you know, the death and the the death and the crippling of their, their their husbands and their children, Lincoln's also grappling with this. So Lincoln has a lot of empathy for people that are struggling, um, that, you know, husbands are, and wives are, and, you know, all these people, Lincoln is, is, is especially attuned to that, I think. Hmm. I, I hear you talk a lot about the empathy that Lincoln had for people, and that was part of why he was out among the soldiers, and uh, there was no Secret Service yet, but even like the Pinkertons, you know, he was, he was available to folks. So as we think about his life and some of the things you've seen, what are some uh, lessons that we can take away from the life of Lincoln? Well, I think it's Lincoln is, 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 is a unique person in many ways, but he's also very relatable. Uh, I think one of the things that you can learn from Lincoln is perseverance. Lincoln was a person who did struggle, did have failures. Um, he, he lost you know, the two elections to the Senate in 55 and 58. Um, he suffered loss of children. Uh, he struggled with, uh, Stephen Douglas was his rival. Stephen Douglas was sort of eclipsed Lincoln as a lawyer and as a, as an orator in many ways. And he struggled in the war, uh, with, you know, with people with opposing him, um, people that were wanting him to move faster, people that wanted him to move slower on slavery and emancipation, but Lincoln always persevered. Uh, he never really, um, became so distraught and so depressed that he could not persevere. He knew his responsibility. And I think that's another thing we can also learn from Lincoln is that Lincoln took responsibility. Uh, as the commander in chief and as the president, he bore the responsibility and he, and he took it. When, uh, when Fredericksburg happened in 62 and it was a terrible union defeat, all the union defeats, Lincoln bore the responsibility for those. Uh, he really never took credit for the victories. Uh, he gave the generals that credit, but he, he he took responsibility for the for the defeats. 
he took, um, we, I think another thing we don't know about him, which is part of his responsibility, is he really took responsibility as the commander in chief to urge the generals, sometimes who were reluctant to fight, to fight. Uh, he was always looking for a general who was willing to fight, and he got that in Grant. He didn't have to do that anymore with Grant. But um, he did that with some other generals, um, always, always with the idea of winning the war, you know, getting slavery back, getting the Union back together. Not to, he was very, he was somebody who really um, did his homework on military things. He didn't have any military experience very much when he became president. So he, but he took responsibility. He never blamed the, uh, the Buchanan administration for the, the, for the predicament he was in, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak. He never blamed Buchanan. He accepted what Buchanan did and what Buchanan's views away. He just got to work on trying to solve the problems. So I think responsibility is one thing. Another thing I think we can learn from Lincoln is Lincoln never really takes himself that seriously. Mm -hmm. um, he is obviously the president of the United States. He's commander in chief, but he keeps his sense of humor. He keeps his humility. He uh, is able to, uh, you know, pull himself out and not see himself as the savior of the union, but as a, as he sees himself, he sees himself as an instrument in a certain sense. Um, that God knows what's going to happen. He says this in one of his speeches. God knows what's going to happen. I'm an instrument. I am not the, I am not the person who's going to, I'm not savior. I'm an instrument. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so his humility stays and is, he's able to uh, keep his sense of humor. He's also able, I think another thing we can learn from him is that Lincoln was hopeful about the American experiment. Uh, he never got despondent about the American, the American experiment, the American government. He never believed that secession was a good idea or right. He always believed that the union was better together, even with the differences between the North and the South. He did not favor, as some Northern abolitionists did, of letting the South go. He didn't think that was that was not what we should have done. He thought, and he fought to keep that um, and keep that. But he, and he was always hopeful. He never really, even in the darkest days of the war. Uh, even when he believes he's losing in 64, he's not going to win the presidency in 64. He is still saying to his cabinet, OK, we're not going to win. We have to do something now to save the union. And what we, we may have to we may have to declare peace. We may have to go and, you know, and, and sue for peace here. Um, he hopes to win, but he, he's 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 realistic in seeing that he might not win. But he, I think he maintains that hope, I think. And I think the other thing we can learn from, from Lincoln is that Lincoln, the, he never really saw the enemy, the Confederacy as the enemy in the sense that we should, they should always be the enemy. In his final inaug uh, second inaugural, he is preaching already uh, reconciliation. He's mm -hmm. preaching that we're brothers and sisters. Um, he's also preaching that we're equally responsible for slavery and equally responsible for the war. This is God's, this is God's punishment for us. And if the war has to go on until we, you know, every, you know, every lash of, from every lash and every drop of blood is paid for, we might have to do that. I don't want to, he says, but he, he knows that, um, he knows that it, it, there's, it, it's going to come a point that we're going to have to reconcile with the brothers and we have to forget the past. And I think that's one of the things he would have, he says, we really do have to, uh, you know, 
put on an olive branch to each other. Now, what would Lincoln would have done when the South is is um, in in Reconstruction is is attacking uh, African Americans that are freed? I don't think Lincoln would have stood stood for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we don't know what would have happened there. But I don't think he'd have stood for that. I don't think he would have allowed the war. By that time, Lincoln has is convinced that, that that slavery must end for the Union to be won again. And so I, I think that's those are things that you know we can learn from him for sure. There's so many other things, but those are the things I would say are some of the top things we can learn from his life. Well, those are some great things. I mean, and that's what made it possible for really the Union to be saved. Uh, yes. You mentioned he thought he was going to lose, you know, in 64, just the how odd it is. He's running against one of his former generals, right? Meade. Right. Mm-hmm. And is all this true that he would go to meet with Meade and wait for an hour and all that? I mean, yes, yes. I mean, that's another thing you can learn from him. I mean, he he um, he would uh, he tried to work with him. He worked with people that were opposed to him. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the generals that he met with uh, were Democrats. Um, Meade and McClellan and all those were Democrats. And but he said, OK, I'm, I'm not I don't mind. Who, I don't care who it is. Uh, I just want to, I don't want to preserve the union. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when people were saying that Grant was drinking to excess, he said, well, you know, if Grant is, if that's what, if, if Grant's performance is the result of drinking to excess, then we should give other generals some liquor. Because <laughs> um, he wanted a general that would fight, didn't he? He did. He wanted a general that would, would engage the enemy. And Lincoln, I think, comes to the conclusion that, we have to defeat the we have to defeat the Confederate Army. That's what Grant comes to the conclusion. We have to defeat the Confederate Army um, to to win this to 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 end the rebellion. And they and they were right. And so I think we learn from that is that Lincoln is willing to to compromise to a certain degree. He's also willing to 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 grow. Uh, Lincoln does not start the war with the idea that this war is going to be a war to end slavery. It's a war to preserve the Union. Gradually, though, as things go along, he sees that in order to preserve the Union, we have to end slavery. It has to end. We can't let 600,000 people die and then preserve the institution that caused this. Um, that would be a, a slap in the face of the, of the soldiers and the families that sacrificed. And so Lincoln is able to sell that, um, you know, sell the end of slavery and, and sell, uh, sell the 13th Amendment. And that's a, a major, major accomplishment for America was ending slavery. Mm. It, it puts us on a completely different track um, going forward, a track that we're still sort of on trying to deal with the legacy of slavery. But he puts us on the track and says we have to, we cannot preserve that institution. We've been saying for the last 20 years that the slave power conspiracy is the threat to the union. We can't let them, we can't let that come back because it'll just be a threat again. Mm-hmm. So I think we can learn some things from him in the sense of how he work, works with people, how he was willing to compromise and work with people who didn't necessarily like him and insulted him. Um, his secretary of treasury, Sam and Chase runs against him in 64. Lincoln just doesn't really say anything. Um, Chase eventually resigns. Lincoln accepts the resignation, but he puts him on the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of guy he, he's, I mean, nobody would think about that. Um, I mean, it, he, the guy was disloyal to Lincoln, but Lincoln puts him on the Supreme Court because he knew how talented Chase was. Yeah. Chase just was, was just not very, 
Chase wasn't good as a politician, but he was an excellent jurist. And um, so Lincoln saw that. Yeah. And he was and that's an amazing thing. We don't see that very often today. He was able to look past it to put his team together, right? Correct. Correct. So the average person and wants to learn more about Lincoln, you have all kinds of access that you know yep. we really don't have or can't see, but how can we learn more about Lincoln? Well, there's many, many ways. Of course, Lincoln is written about um, more than any other person other than Jesus Christ. So uh, Lincoln is is you know it's very, very very difficult. But there's there's a lot of good books about Lincoln. Um, Team of Rivals by Doris Goodwin is a good book to read about his presidency. There's some new biographies that have come out in recent years. Um, that's that's been written. Um, there's a recent bi biography that's been written. That's won the Pulitzer Prize. That's a good book. There's a lot of good books. Um, but if you want to see Lincoln sort of in um, in the sense of what he does and what he writes and who writes him, uh, you can always access uh, our our product, which is the, the papers of Abraham Lincoln dot org. And that will we have, we're published documents up to 1858. So you can see the documents. You can see um, transcriptions of the documents. You can also see annotations. So it sort of puts the documents in context. So you can see things that people wrote to Lincoln and things that Lincoln wrote. Uh, another sort another thing that's really interesting that we have is the Lincoln log, which is Lincoln day by day. Now that follows, so basically the Lincoln log follows Lincoln and what he does every day of his life that we know where he was and what he did. Hmm. That's at the lincolnlog.org. That's really useful for people that are not clearly initiated to Lincoln yet. And they want to know about, you know, was he in my town? Um, did he, you know, did he come to a certain place in Illinois? Now Lincoln doesn't travel very much. He's not a big traveler. Uh, he goes to Kentucky and he goes to Kansas and he goes to Michigan and some and Iowa and some places like that. But you sort of get an idea of what he's doing every day. You get his get, get an idea of the, the people he's talking to who come and visit him uh, in the White House. And you also get an idea from the letters too, who's writing him. Um, and, and so another another source that you can that people can use is the law practice of Abraham Lincoln. If you're really interested in Lincoln's legal career and his law cases. You can go there and look. And there's just so many uh, other resources. Uh, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum also has a very good page on mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln. Um, and we've done some really good work on the Gettysburg Address. We own a we own one of five versions of the Gettysburg Address here. Wow. And it was purchased in World War II by uh, Illinois students putting in pennies and quarters and nickels. And I think they raised about $10,000 during World War II. And then Marshall Field of Chicago gave the remaining money for that. So we have one of the five copies. The other, there's another one in the White House. Most people know the one at the White House. So we have, we have, the, we have the, uh, the Gettysburg Address. So, that's a, this, so this is a good resource to also learn about Lincoln as well. And if people are in Springfield, I would encourage them to come to the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Museum. We have the, the museum is here. Lincoln's home is here, which is where he lived, his only home that he owned, where he lived before he went to Washington. And we also have a Lincoln tomb where Lincoln, Lincoln, Willie, Mary, and Willie are buried hmm. at the Lincoln tomb, which is a couple of miles away. So all of that is, 
um, interesting stuff to see, but there's also things that you can learn mm. uh, there. And sort of interesting about the tomb is in the middle of a big cemetery where a lot of Lincoln's um, friends and cohorts in, in Illinois live. I should not live. They, they are buried there. Uh, so you can learn a lot just from going to those sites and uh, going to books about Lincoln. Um, so I would encourage people if they're really interested in Lincoln. And, you know, if you if you need if you have a relative that you think may have written Lincoln um, and you want to know, you can always contact me. Um, I'm at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Museum. Uh, you can contact me and I'll be happy to look for you. Um, we have a really nice collection of, of, of papers here that are Illinois related. So if you're Illinois um, related, but uh, we have a, a we have about 100,000 documents in our database. So we have everything. You know, we have the biggest collection of Lincoln stuff you can imagine. Um, so, and we've done a lot of work in trying to, you know, figure out what Lincoln's up to, um, especially, you know, especially if you're interested in Lincoln's early life. We've done a lot of work in his early life, um, mm. about his, his, his period in the, in the legislature here in, in Illinois, where he really sort of does a lot of interesting things. Um, and he's really involved in a lot of uh, Whig and early Whig politics and things. So those are some ideas I would say. Uh, Lincoln is not hard to hard to find. Uh, um, there's interesting things. Something about you know. There's a lot of stories about Lincoln that probably aren't true, um, and that's a that's a that's he's probably the dip, most difficult person that way because there's so many stories about him. But we have you know we try to be as accurate as we can and as honest we can and truthful as we can about him. Um, we don't try to hide who he is or what he was. Um, Lincoln is not you know not an, He's not uh, what some people claim he is, but mm. uh, you know I think we can you know we as as an institution are com committed to his legacy in the in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, it's great. Well, you all do some great work, and our folks could take a look at it if they go to www.presidentlincoln.illinois.gov, uh, right? And right uh, and get access. Uh, I think get access access to your archives and. Really, you, if you're in the Springfield area, stop by, see the Presidential Library and Museum, and not too far away, there's the graves there of President Lincoln and some of his children and and um, and Miss Todd, Mary Todd Lincoln as well. So it's just a good opportunity, isn't it, Dr. Worthington, to pick up on some history and be able to be in the place where Lincoln spent so much time. Yes, this he spent... Pretty much Lincoln lived in Springfield from 1837 to February 11th, 1861. Um, he left Springfield um, that day to go to Washington and um, he would do a, he would do a circuit that he would speak. Um, and then he would do the same circuit when he when he when they brought him back mm. um, home to to be buried here in Springfield. Mary insisted that he be buried in Springfield. Um he could have been buried anywhere he wanted, um, clearly. But um, so they came back the same way. And, uh, you know, we commemorate those things occasionally. We commemorate his his, his, his death and his burial um, with ceremonies. And uh, they've done a lot of work at the cemetery to sort of recreate um, the, 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 the entrance where he came in um, in 1865. And that's so that cemetery is still, you know, st still there. And the original holding cell before they built the tomb um, is there. And um, so it's, there's all kinds of interesting things there to see. 
and uh, and it's also in Springfield and and also Springfield as well and so also the other sites as well. Well, you've shared a lot with us. I could talk with you all day, my friend, but uh, this is real helpful to us, especially on a special day like President's Day. And thank you for taking the time to share with us today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm happy to do it anytime. And we want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you know someone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. Remember, every little thing, it really does help. It really does matter. We're truly better when we work together. We're better together.